the fish cast and uh fish nfl combine was this past weekend all right i mean we can talk about a lot jordan davis <laughs> six what was he six foot six and one eighth 341 he ran a 4.78 yeah i it's i don't know how that's humanly possible <laughs> Things that big should not move. I mean, just think if your refrigerator moved like that, like you'd be scared. (laughs) You know, that thing's on wheels. (laughs) I mean, this it's unfair. I mean, I don't, I I, I don't know who had that (laughs) kid, but man, can you imagine how big he was at birth? I mean, probably like 18 pounds. (laughs) Like, the thing is, if Jordan Davis at that size runs a 5-0, we're all like, whoa, this kid can move. He ran a 4-7-8. Uh, I, had, I had a friend just go to uh, the Glazier Clinic in Orlando, and they, you know the Georgia D-line coach was there, and they put on the film, and he's like, fish. You know, when you get to see, like, the end zone view or the overview of, like, how Jordan Davis and those guys, I mean, their D-line's unfair. You know, it's yeah. just like that's not normal to see a guy that big, that athletic. And, you know, I, I always love it when fans are like, oh, man, our O-line didn't block that well. Like the guy opposite him sometimes <laughs> is just not blockable. I mean, not he's – he's, Yeah, he's a grown man. I Like if you got – it's it's crazy. It'll be interesting to see where he goes because – um, you know, edge rushers, there's so many good ones in this draft. And those edge rushers, you know, the Kayvon Tevidos, the Jermaine Johnsons, the guy, at, the two guys at Michigan, those guys hold a little more value. Like D tackles are super important. I mean, look at Aaron, Dar- uh, Aaron Donald and what he can do. I mean, this is this kid's a six, six version of Aaron Donald. You know, I mean, he could basically do all the same stuff um, and dominate from the interior and, and you know, they always say like if quarterbacks can't feel comfortable in that pocket because that D ta- those D tackles could push that pocket back. But there's so few of those guys. I mean, they're just so rare. This kid's one of them. Aaron Donald's another. Um, it'll be interesting to see where I'm sure he'll go top 10 in the draft. But you'll see, I believe, some of the DNs go off the board first just because if you could get pressure on the quarterback off the yeah. edge, it's those guys – have a different value to them. I mean, that's why that's some of the highest paid players in the league. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just getting, you know, being able to get to the quarterback and recording that 14, 16 sacks during an NFL season. I mean, it's just, it, it, you know, it, it, it's the difference makers when, you know, you feel like you got somebody coming off the edge like that. Um, Other, what are some other low, like guys that you know that were in the combine that you remember covering that you were kind of yeah, eager I looking mean, at? You know, Tyquan Thornton came out of Booker T. It's it's so crazy. We talk about this. When you think of, uh, of Miami Northwestern and, and that great football team they had, if you go back, you, you think of the Sean Spences and the Marcus Forsons, the Al Darius Johnsons, Tommy Streeter, who ended up the best player out of that group was um, Levante David. And then you go back at the Booker T teams, the Matthew Thomases, the Chad Thomases, uh, the brand uh, they've had, you know, elite, you know, Dante Lucas was on that team. And you think of all these guys, the Brandon Harris's, the Chavez grants, and here comes Tyree Thornton, Tyquan Thornton, who's, you know, a wiry six, two, you saw it in the state title game, just track kid that didn't play a lot of football. And he goes to Baylor has a very good career and he runs the fastest 40 time. I think ever at, at, at the combine, I think he ran a four, two flat or a four, 
one nine. I mean, he beat, he, I, he was up there with like Dion and uh, yeah. the Ross guy at Oregon state and like Terry Glenn. I mean, this guy ran one of the best 40 times ever. So it's just so crazy how these schools you think of them. And it's always that one guy that people overlook. I remember giving that kid, a, he, you know, I gave him a, you know, a, a division one uh, power five grade, but you didn't think like, all right, this kid's going to have a better career than some of those very good and very talented Northwestern teams uh, that had all those receivers. And here, this guy came out of Booker T relative unknown, went to Baylor, had a very good career. Um, and now, you know, he's probably going to get drafted uh, at a high yeah. level in the draft. You're probably talking a top three round grade on a kid that going in that if one of the Florida schools took him, the fans would be like, who's this three-star kid we took? Why did we take him? And it, it's, he panned out. And I, I, that's the one thing about the state of Florida. We always talk about it's not the top end, the depth of how many kids, it, I mean, you get three to 400 kids every year that go division one and it's never going to end this, this pipeline, this, you know, there's, uh, you go look at the the talent this year at the wide, res- wide receiver position. Last year wasn't very good, but then all of a sudden this year, you got four to five guys that may be five-star receivers that are coming out. So this kid came out of nowhere, and that's what makes the state of Florida so special is you don't need to be a highly ranked kid to make it uh, all the way to the NFL. We've seen it so many times. You look at a, a, a Gregory Rousseau, who was a wide receiver in high school, converted to DN maybe his senior year. I don't even think then goes to Miami and ends up a first round pick out of Champagnat Catholic. I mean, it happens year in and year out. You see it all the time. Um, yeah. And it's never going to change. It's just the state produces so much top end talent and the athletes are incredible. It just is. I, I mean, you know, I've seen it, um, you know, going to these seven on seven events and I've seen even seven on seven events for, uh, 12 and 14 on, you know, 14 at you and 12 you groups. And you could see already, you're like, wow, that kid, that kid's fast. I mean, you just look at them and they look different, these kids, and you don't see that in other States. You just don't. No, uh, you know, the, the depth of talent here and it, and it comes everywhere. And so many times we look and, you know, we, we look at these files and like, I didn't know that kid was from there. And, and you know, what, what happens is that, and, it's funny because we've got a long, long history of Florida kids going to schools in the MAC conference and the Mid American conference that end up in the league. That end Hello up, Max. Hello yeah. Max, one of them. You know, I mean, yeah. Bernard Reedy went to Toledo. You have, oh, yeah. you had the kid that went to, you know, Venice High School um, uh, that went to uh, Kent State and ran one of the fastest 40, ended up with the Steelers. I mean, you see it all the time. Uh, these guys, they you know, they go to this Bowling Greens, the Western Michigans, the Northern Illinois, um, the whole MAC conference. They do a great job of recruiting down here, and a lot of these kids go up there and they pan out. And it's because those coaches know, like, hey, we're not getting this type of speed and athleticism in the Midwest. And if if we have a legit shot at one of these kids, it, it, they're they're usually going to one of the Big Ten programs because there's just not enough talent um, yeah. up there. And the depth, it's the depth. It's being able to roll out um, the fours and the fives, those guys that play wide receiver at some of these schools down here. And they get, they're just way more talented than some of the guys from other states. Uh, shout out to 
one of our kids from my old town, Damari Mathis, and went to Pitt. He's from Lakeland. Uh, ran a four three nine yesterday. Got himself probably got himself in the middle rounds of the draft. My favorite combine story. This is a fun. This is how it's just so weird. How there's always in the first round. There's always going to be two, three, four, four kids that come from, you know, maybe an FCS, definitely a G five school. And you just wonder how they how they ended up there. And for me, yesterday it was Tariq Woolen, uh, the cornerback out of Texas San Antonio. Uh, he had this massive senior bowl and was basically like had the fastest GPS time in the senior bowl. So he comes in, cornerback fish, 6'4", over 200 pounds, runs a 4'2", 3". Like, that kid went from... Being at UTSA, maybe, you know, being a back end of a draft type of kid, having a good senior bowl, working his way up into the middle rounds, killing it at a combine, probably working his way late into the first round. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy how kids end up places. Yeah, I mean, you you go look at that program and they were terrible. I mean, I, I remember like two years ago watching them play. I don't think they won a game. It just was a disaster. I mean, it's not an easy – I don't think it's an easy place to recruit to because you're talking – by the time UTSA recruits the state of Texas, how many schools have raided that state? Like, they literally yeah. – I mean, they're fighting UTEP and, and those type of schools for the last of the last. And that guy's done an unbelievable job. He was a high school coach. And I'm really shocked he didn't get – taken at a power five school this year. I, I'm surprised one of those schools, whether Texas tech or one of the bigger programs didn't roll the dice on him because the job he did there is unbelievable. And now you're seeing he's got a kid potentially in the first round. It just shows you that that guy's evaluating the Texas kids the right way. They're not just taking uh, the, those kids like university. We've talked about a university of Texas that just take legacy kids that guy went out, he had to evaluate, and he found these guys, and they developed them. And you can't argue with the success he's had. He did a great job there and got a big contract, but you got to figure if, if this guy's landing guys and developing them in the first-round picks, what he's going to do um, with that type of exposure. And now I think he had a 10 or 11, 12-win season last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, just, it's just incredible. You find, you evaluate. And then, you know, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you probably don't lose as many kids in the transfer portal as you would in other places. Because kid like Woolen, if he's not, if, if the UTSA program is 2-10 and 10 or whatever, he's probably out. He's out. He's out. He's out. He's at. He's probably at Texas. He might be at a and you know, He might yeah. be somewhere else. So, you know, it, it does make a huge difference. Um. All right, yeah, so the Combine, fun day, uh, always fun to watch, especially if you've spent time, you know, covering, if, like in so many years, we remember, you know, when they were prospects in high school and then to kind of see them grow and to see what they were coming to. It's always a, you know, pretty exciting time. It definitely ages me a little bit, but that's life. Life is going to age us a little bit. Um, couple of, a couple of other things I want to talk about. Uh, University of Miami, Staff. Now, I'd heard Jason Taylor was only part of staff. That didn't. I don't think that happened. No, he's he he got hired as an off the field analyst. Okay. He is there. Um, okay. They hired him. They did hire uh, the defensive coordinator to be their DN's coach 
from UTSA actually. So they got it, you know, here's, they got another guy along with Charlie Strong, along with uh, Kevin Steele. You got three guys in one room that were D coordinators or currently coordinators. So you got to figure they're going to be very good on defense uh, with what these guys are all, they're all going to bring different elements to the uh, table, but I think Mario hit a home run. Uh, I've gotten in an argument with people that, ah, no, their coaching staff, uh, they did a phenomenal job, uh, you know, going out and getting a coaching staff that they did. I mean, anytime you could go and get a Charlie strong to be your linebackers coach and, I mean, I heard him on the radio a couple days ago and he was on the Crowder show and he was talking about recruiting Channing Crowder. And you could see like, you know, I, I almost felt like there's some juice in him again. Like you, you, you heard the excitement of him uh, wanting to help Mario uh, build uh, university of Miami back. I, I really think he did a very good job hiring this coaching staff. Uh, we had we've had Frank Ponce on. We thought he was going to become a head coach. Here he is. He's getting a guy that was a former coordinator and had a lot of success at App State last year to be his quarterback coach. Uh, he brought in a very good offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I just think that he did a great job and, and his staff and you you've seen what he can do as a recruiter in a short amount of time. I believe Miami's going to turn the corner get back to where they were. I know a lot of people have been saying, ah, yeah, we've heard that use back forever, but if there's one guy that could do it, it's Mario. I, you and I, I think kind of think on the same lines that it comes down to getting the players and, and coaching's great. He's, he's, he's put a very good uh, coaching staff together. Coaching's great, but you gotta land the players. I don't care how good of an X's and O's guy you are. Um, I think Mike, Bloomgren at Rice is probably one of the better old line coaches in the country. He was great at Stanford. He went to Rice and you know what? He's fighting for his job this year. Why? Because they don't bring talent in. It's not, they don't allow him to bring talent in. So it's, it's great. The X's and O's, but you need talent period. Uh, You go look at the teams that are winning championships, even Cincinnati, you go look, they have their corners. One of their corners is going in the first round. They had a tight end going the top three or four rounds last year. Like this guy's bringing in players. It may not be to the level as Alabama and Georgia and this and that, but if he's bringing in three to four NFL players a year, he's getting drafted three to four. That's a very good number at a school like that. Just think what he's going to do if he does go to a power five. What that number goes to seven. I think Cincinnati's moving to the Big 12 in another year. So, yeah, so he's already able to recruit to that level. Michigan makes a playoff. They're going to get two pass rushers from the top 10. We know what Alabama and Georgia are going to do in the draft, what they do in the draft every year. So, absolutely comes down to players. Mario, I have no, I have no doubt he'll get the players. Uh, he's going to definitely make, make, make Miami a lot more competitive. In, in Dade County, where they've so, where they sort of took a backseat, the best thing he's done, as far as I'm concerned, is just give it that stupid turnover chain. The fact that he said that that's not returning. I just, I, I think the one thing that Mario understands because he was at Alabama and you've seen what he brought in at Oregon with the, the Thibodeaux in the world, he knows what an SEC and Power Five kid looks like. That's what he knows what it looks like. Yeah, and you yeah. have to understand like. It's great to develop kids, but they better be pretty good looking before when they walk in that door. Like you're not taking chicken poop and turning it into chicken salad. I don't care who you are. 
you could tell me developing this, that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you want to, it's kind of like, you know, if you put it on ranking from one to 10, you want to take a seven and develop them into a nine. You don't want to take a four and try to develop them into a seven, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's the same thing. Like you're taking the, the lower skilled kid you take, the more time you have to develop them, which means the more time he's not on the field, which means the more, the less time he's helping your program. That's yeah. why you take higher in kids because, you know, they can, they, you can develop them as you go along. There's no question. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's bottom line is that the teams that they're, they're the teams at the top. And there are teams that want to be there and that made the moves, I thought. Like, USC made the move that they needed to make to get back to where they want to be. They decided that they want to be in the upper echelon in college football. And they realized that that was going to come at a big price, and it did. Lincoln Riley was not cheap in any single way. But I tell you this. I'm bullish on USC in 2022. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm bullish on them right now. Like, I think they can get really good. Like, I think they I think they can get really good really quickly because that program has such a – that pro like, just Lincoln getting back there gave that program such a buzz. Yeah. That all of a sudden, like, I, I, I'm telling people, like, you know – their, their, their little junior day that they did this past week, yeah, they get a lot of – wait until their summer camps. You and I know what USC summer camps, when they were done properly, when they were under Pete Carroll, USC summer camps were a different level thing, man. That's when, that's when they really be, you know, become a national program because all of a sudden you got kids from every region wanting to be at USC for their camps. And be around that group, and that's what. So I'm really high on USC, but you know, I also looked at Miami. You know, they had to spend the money, and they did. And then you know, now they show they've invested the money in the staff. Um, you know, they had to pay Mario big numbers, and now they had to pay the staff big numbers. And you know, it, it's you, you do have to invest in the program, even if you have the location. The location is nice, and being right in the middle of you know area saturated with talent is nice, but the investment is what comes through. The investment is what really makes the program the type that it makes it hard for top kids to say no to. No doubt. What else is on your mind, Mr. Fish? Not much, man. Was, I thought we, we talked about a lot and I, I, I'm excited to get back in the role of this thing. I think we're going to get some good coaches to come yeah, on. Yeah, we get some good coaches coming back. Uh, we, yeah, we got. We'll, we'll bring those announcements up as they come. Uh, yeah, you know, and we'll, we'll we'll be doing some uh, spring football reviews or uh, pre, yeah. uh, post views or whatever, um, you know, in pretty soon. So, yeah, spring football just starts this past week, and it's it's an exciting time. But you know, you really don't know much until the games are played, and they won't be played till the end of the month or early April. So we got about thirty days to kind of you know, just kind of see what we can see through Twitter and through these online reports. And then once they get out on the field, as we always say, the field tells no lies. Nah, nah, you could, you could have all the Kool-Aid you want, but once that season starts, reality kicks in and you know what's up. (laughs) Well, let everybody know that the fish cast 
is of course uh is of course this week it is Corey long and charles fitchbein our producer is justin otto thanks to everybody at fnf coaches and the fns coaches talk podcast network for helping us out with this global distribution that we enjoy you yep. can catch the fish podcast you can contact the fish podcast on twitter at the fish podcast i think that's about all i think we covered everything oh What's your what's your situation this week? Fish is the new Casey Stingle. He's the new Tony Larusa. He's a man, coach. We, we got we got like three weeks off, man. Uh, oh, you know, really? we're we're two and one coming into the like spring okay. break. You know, um, right. Ethan's upset that I only gave him thirty four pitches, but his his team was up fourteen one when yeah. I said, "Listen, man, you know what? <laughs> Let's try some of the other guys." It got a little hairy there. I'm not gonna lie. It, at like four, when it got to about five, I'm thinking, man, maybe I should have kept them out there one more inning. But nah, you know what? Kids need to learn a little adversity. They did. They fought through. Um, got got three runs in the bottom of the inning and basically shut the door. Uh, but you know, I got I got some guy. I, I we got some Smash Brothers on our team. I mean, we got I think like 20 hits in the last game. We oh, we nice. roughed up some arms. So. Uh, it was fun and, and I'm enjoying it. I, I got to tell you, Corey, coaching baseball is one of the most difficult things I ever thought I'd do in my life. I mean, <laughs> these kids, I love them, man, but wow. <laughs> yeah. You got 12 different personalities that all think they can play every position. They are. They are demanding at that age. Right. They're demanding. They're competitive. They want to do everything. So. Yep. Yeah. That was well, good, man. It was good to get back on here again. It's like riding a bike. You just have to jump right back on it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be back. Pretty exciting things coming up in the future, so you guys just stay tuned. Uh, Charles Fishbine, Corey Long. Peace out. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.